The topic of our discourse certainly this evening is knowing how to observe objects. And this discourse will deal to some extent with mindfulness, sati, in the Pali scriptural language, but will also, time permitting, deal with how to or, or you know, what certain what to look for in the observation of objects there's different aspects and certainness so what do we put our focus on now in the context of the Satipatthana meditation practice, which is based on the Satipatthana Sutta, mindfulness is mentioned not all alone as a vital factor, but certainly together with other qualities. And the to quote Satna directly from the Satipatthana Sutta, here a retreatant, a retreatant, or here, oh retreatants, a retreatant dwells contemplating the body in the body, ardent, clearly comprehending, mindful, having removed covetousness and discontent in regard to the world. So mindfulness is uh, accompanied, or should ideally, according to the text, be accompanied by atapa in the Pali scriptural language, namely an ardent effort as well as certain clear comprehension, sampajanya, in the Pali scriptural language. The same qualities will also be required when it comes to a mindful contemplation of feelings, a mindful contemplation of the mind, as well as satna dhammas. Now, We shall first take or explore qualities of mindfulness. And a number of those have been mentioned in the text. However, before we go into the details, allow me to ask you a couple of pinpointed questions. Namely, oh, ideally, what is certain, what should mindfulness all be about? Is uh, 
mindfulness tantamount uh, to sitting there with eyes closed, uh, sitting there in a comfortable environment and thinking about the predominant object of observation. So you sit there with eyes closed and suddenly think, oh, maybe now my rise and fall is soft. And a few minutes later, oh no, maybe now it's a bit hard. And suddenly then, again, some uh, uh, moments later, you think about it. And suddenly you conclude that now it's rather, now there's pressure there. Is this really mindfulness? Does mindfulness equate with thinking? You say no, okay. Now, there are other uh, cases to examine, other aspects to examine. Can we say that uh, mindfulness uh, is uh, concerned, does it concern itself uh, with imagination or with reality? So, imagination in the sense of you sit there, you observe your rise and fall you know, to some extent, and suddenly when the time comes to report the experience during interview, you start with a little bit of observation, and suddenly then you start winging it. And you make up the remaining part, and uh, then, uh, since your mind is quite certainly creative, that comes certainly quite easily. And certainly, if you're lucky, you will even get some brownie points you know, from your teacher. Is it this, or is mindfulness certainly concerned with observing reality? Which one? Reality, of course. Now, another aspect, also very vital aspect, is mindfulness and time. Do we uh, sit there in meditation with certain eyes closed and certain then we remember what the rise and fall was like uh, you know, during the previous retreat and certainly when we had some uh, really good experiences. And is it that or is it certain, uh, that certain mindfulness concerns itself you know, with an observation of what is happening in the present moment? What's that? The present moment. There you go. So, for the most part, mindfulness concerns itself with presently arising objects, although, as certainly we will see later on in the talk, there are one or two passages where 
mindfulness is spoken of as Satna, one of the controlling faculties, and Satna, then um, both uh, mindfulness of the present is mentioned, as well as Satna remembering, clearly remembering events of the past. So with these certain simple questions, already some fundamental aspects of Fertnet mindfulness should have become clearer. We, what we need is a mindfulness certainly that is totally and keenly directed certainly towards uh, mm, what is actually happening from moment to moment to moment. So absolutely in the present uh, moment. And we are not at all mm, concerned certainly with imagination but rather with what is actually going on. Now, a Sri Lankan scholar by the name of Y. Karuna Dasa, in a, in a book on Theravada Abhidhamma, defines my uh, uh, or writes about Satna mindfulness as Satna follows. He says, in its literal sense, Sati means memory, and Satna, the Pali root for this is Sam. And certainly based on this, certainly the verb sarati to remember uh, gets formed. But in Buddhist psychology, it means not memory regarding the past, but rather mindfulness. Mindfulness, presence of Fertner mind, to be attentive and watchful of the present. Its characteristic is not wobbling, in other words, not floating away from the objects of observation. Its function is to maintain unforgetfulness and it manifests as the state of facing the object. Its proximate cause is firm perception. Now, more could be said about mindfulness. Mindfulness is a mental factor that is everything but sluggish, static, casual, but rather it's a very, ideally it should be a very dynamic mental factor. 
In fact, among all activities that certainly we could possibly engage in as certain human beings, mindfulness is certain, if done properly, requires a very high degree of dynamic observing what is happening. In order to bring this particular quality across, the Venerable Sadhu Pandita Bhimamsa of Fatna Burma has Satna proposed as a translation of the Pali term Sati, the English term observing power. So what we need is um, a mind satna that possesses this observing power, that is actively in a dynamic way with whatever predominant object comes up in the body or in the mind. Now, presence of mind or being attentive, watchful of the present are the words that have been proposed for sati. And this presence of mind should be understood to be of a really keen nature, to be totally present with what is certainly happening. Think of yourself of walking on a tightrope, let's say a tightrope that is tied between two skyscrapers in New York. If your mind is and not absolutely in you know, the present moment, what will happen? You're likely to drop a couple of stories. And so it's this type of really totally focused awareness that certainly is certainly needed. And certainly you might want to ask yourself, on occasion, does my mindfulness really have possess this certain quality or not? Now, to elaborate just a little bit on the characteristic of mindfulness as part of the classical fourfold certain definition of mindfulness. The characteristic in, in the Pali language is given as apilapna lakana, so uh, the characteristic of non-superficiality or non-wobbling, of not floating away from the object. So rather than having a brief touch-and-go contact, with uh, the object, 
ideally uh, our mindset should um, land on uh, the object and on top of this even penetrate certain uh, the object only in this way uh, will we really uh, get to know its uh, nature the commentators have given a beautiful um, illustration and it's a negative illustration for what certain superficiality would be all about. So a superficial observing of an object is compared to a dried and hollow pumpkin thrown onto the surface of a river. Now that certain dried and hollow pumpkin obviously will bob up and down on the surface of the river. So this is certainly what our mindfulness should not be like. But rather, it should be like a stone you know, thrown into uh, a river and certainly the stone, because of its weight and gravitational forces, you know, will sink to you know, the bottom of the river. Likewise with our mindfulness. When the rising movement of Fatna, the abdomen occurs, the observing mind does not rest on the surface of Fatna, the object doesn't do this touch and Fatna go thing, but instead Fatna then sinks into the object and one thus Fatna gets to know the qualities of the rising movement, falling movement, such as the movement of it, tension, hard expansion, tightness, and certain in the case of the rising movement, and maybe in the case of the falling movement, a release of tension, relaxation towards the end, possibly some contraction. Now, the function of Fertnet mindfulness in the Pali scripture language is given as Asamosa Arasa, and this certainly could be translated could be translated as to maintain unforgetfulness. In other words, it certainly is an absence of certain confusion or non-forgetfulness. So when observing a predominant object of Fatna observation, we uh, ensure that we do not lose sight of it, that certainly we mm, don't miss it, nor forget the object, nor do we allow it to disappear from our radar, so to speak. Now, the Venerable Saito Pandit, Bhivam said this context has given several illustrations to make the point. And these are all taken from sports. 
Now, just like soccer players during a really important international soccer match have to keep their eyes focused on the ball, so too as certain retreatants we have to keep our attention focused on the predominant object. Also, like just like a badminton player has to keep his or her attention on the shuttle cock. If our attention is certainly really on the most predominant object, that object of observation at any given point in time, then it will be difficult to lose certain sight of it. Now, in terms of certain manifestations, how we experience certain mindfulness in our own practice, well, the Visuddhi Magga proposes certain two manifestations. The first one is certain the state of facing an object or, slightly differently put, a state of being face-to-face certain with the predominant object of observation. We see a bimukha bhava pachibhatana in the Pali scriptural language. Being face-to-face certain with the predominant object is nothing other than confronting the object, being in a state of fatna confrontation and directing our full attention onto the object and not just taking notice of fatna the object to maybe 5% or 10%. When we come across something new that we've never seen before, that we've never experienced before, well, in order to get to know that object, to fully understand it, we need to observe that object. We need to be face-to-face with the object, look at it from a close distance and then in this way we'll get to understand it properly. Firm or strong perception why Karuna Dasa 
has Satna mentioned or already as Satna being the first proximate cause, the nearest cause for you know, the arising of Satna mindfulness, and Satna then a second one uh, also gets Satna mentioned in the text, and this is Araka Pachapatana and Pani, which means uh, uh, protection or guardianship. Now, we'll take, we'll start with the first and approximate cause, namely a strong and certain firm perception of an object. If there is a clear, strong, firm perception of an object, then the mindfulness can be equally strong. However, if the initial perception of the object is already pretty weak, then the resulting mindfulness will also be weak. So the two, perception and mindfulness, are correlated. The relative strength of certain perception corresponds, or the relative strength of mindfulness corresponds to the relative strength of certain perception. On occasion, you, on occasion, there might be some very feeble sound, certain somewhere, and at certain a great certain distance. If the perception is relatively weak, then one might not even notice that certain feeble sound. However, if the mind is really sharp and it is equipped with strong perception, also strong concentration, even though the sound may be very feeble, yet certainly the, that mindfulness will be strong. The mind can work with that certain sound. So the sound then becomes really alive. Now, the Anguttara Nikaya, in its fourth volume, section 111, contains a short certain passage related certain to mindfulness as certain a gatekeeper. And there it says, I quote certain of the translation by Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi, with mindfulness as one's gatekeeper, the noble disciple abandons the unwholesome and develops the wholesome. The noble disciple abandons what is blameworthy and develops what is blameless and maintains in himself or herself purity.
when mindfulness is uh, let's say when mind when you know, there are lapses in the flow of our mindfulness typically what happens who knows Oh, the mind wanders, and still some more. Ah, uh, uh, there you go. That's it. So when there is a lapse in uh, your uh, flow of uh, moments of uh, mindfulness, then at that very moment, mm, unwholesome mental states uh, tend to arise. However. And at that certain point, the mind is not protected. However, when our mindfulness is really continuous from moment to moment to moment, and then mm, you know, wholesome mental states you know, will accompany you know, the mindfulness. Now, a factor that certainly strongly contributes certainly to you know, this purity of you know, the mind and purity in the sense of absence of unwholesome mental states is the continuity of mindfulness. If your mindfulness is really continuous, one moment of mindfulness is connected you know, to you know, the next moment of mindfulness and so on and so forth, you know, then uh, unwholesome mental states simply don't have a chance to arise in the stream of consciousness. So the second manifestation of mindfulness then comes as protection. Yeah, that's the second, certainly second manifestation, and in terms of proximate, it certainly causes the. Um, the second proximate cause uh, comes in the form of uh, the four um, establishments of mindfulness. Namely, when there is one moment of mindfulness occurring after uh, the other, uh, then the resulting mindfulness will be uh, quite certain and strong when, however, Mm, there's the moment of mindfulness, and then a couple of moments of absent-mindedness, and then again a moment of mindfulness, etc. Now, the resulting mindfulness is going to be a weak mindfulness. Now, 
this much in terms of the classical fourfold definition of mindfulness. However, there are a number of other qualities that mindfulness ideally should possess. Among these, we have what could be called the immediacy. Immediacy in the awareness of an object of observation. So ideally, nothing should come between the presently arising object and the noting and observing. The arising object and certainly the noting mind should not be separated in time. The observation of the presently arising object should happen at once without any delay. It should be instant. So as soon as an object of observation arises, it certainly should be noted and certainly observed. If our mindfulness does not possess certainly this quality of immediacy, then the object, by the time our attention turns to the object, the object might be gone already. And certainly mindfulness concerns itself with objects that are currently occurring. If we only have a memory of an object that certainly occurred uh, earlier on, then that memory is not the same as the actual um, object as when it occurred. With a number of objects, another mindfulness should possess another quality, and certainly this is the quality of concurrence. So, to give you an example, the rising and falling movement of the abdomen involved here is clearly a movement. It's a process that takes place over time. And as the rising movement of the abdomen begins, ideally our mindfulness should be right there. And certainly as the rising movement is unfolding, our mindfulness should certainly be with what is certainly, or should be with certainly the action, know what is happening, and certainly then you know, when you know, the uh, rising movement comes to an end, our mindfulness uh, uh, also is clearly uh, present. The same aspect of concurrence would further be very relevant in the observation of some very dynamic pain, a pain that undergoes plenty of changes.
if we observe the pain for a little bit, notice maybe one or two uh, aspects and suddenly then think, okay, that's it. Now I know the uh, nature of the pain. However, the pain keeps uh, changing. Well, then one is missing out on some aspects. The commentary makes it very clear that during intensive Vipassana practice or Satipatthana meditation required is not some easy going casual mindfulness but rather a mindfulness that is extraordinary or outstanding. A mindfulness certainly that is certainly further excessive and certainly very intensive and persistent. The two Pali terms certainly for this are Visita for the extraordinary and outstanding mindfulness and Pusata for the intensive and persistent mindfulness. People who are occasionally, some who are new to the meditation, mindfulness, satna practice, might not realize the importance of this aspect and satna take an easygoing approach. And so with the casual mindfulness, the mind satna skims over the surface of an object or does this touch and go kind of thing. And certainly with this, such a yogi is not going to really or deeply you're going to understand you know, the nature of the predominant object. The Venerable Saito Bhavamsa, in his explanations on mindfulness in the context of Fatna, uh, the Satipatthana Sutta has time and again highlighted the various qualities of mindfulness. Among those is the aspect of namely the mind should be rushing towards an object, rushing, leaping, plunging into whatever predominant object of observation comes up. And Satna, this then, with great Satna force, with courage, without hesitation, without getting lost in of thinking without getting lost in questioning, considering, speculating, or fantasizing. So as soon as an object arises, our mindfulness should be right certain there.
No. When it comes to the observation of fertile objects, some are easy to grasp, others are much more difficult to grasp. When you think of a predominant pain, this will most likely be relatively easy to grasp by the observing mind. But when it comes to thinking or a mental state like delusion, then that's much more difficult. In order to properly understand an object of observation, the mind needs to firmly grasp or seize the object of observation. And it's only then that we get to carefully observe its certain detail or its certain nature. The venerable Mahasi side of Burma was certainly very much an educator and certainly in presenting his uh, approach to Satipatthana meditation, he um, would certainly instruct retreatants first to um, observe and know coarse objects having gained some proficiency in with these coarse objects, then to move on to increasingly more refined objects. And as a result of this, we start with the uh, observation of the rising and falling movement of the abdomen, which oftentimes is, at least at first, you know, still a relatively coarse certain object and therefore you know, relatively easy to observe. And as our observational skills, as well as certain of the mindfulness itself, you know, improves, we'll be able to direct our attention to more and more refined objects. Now, a further very detailed uh, aspect that our mindfulness ideally should certainly possess is that it covers you know, the entirety of an object. Now, to give you an example for this, in the case of one rising movement of Fertner, the abdomen, during the very beginning of a retreat, a retreatant is likely you know, to see, um, to see, to you know, understand which part of it, the beginning of the rising movement, the middle of it, or the ending of it, the ending portion. What would you say? 
you say in the beginning. Any other answers? The middle. It's usually first the middle and Satna, then mm, from there on uh, gradually you know, the ending also comes into focus with that one sees middle and certain ending portion and then eventually a retreat and sees the entire object namely beginning middle and certain end and so ideally we want to cover the entire object and suddenly know what's happening from its very beginning through the middle until the very end. And there's much to be understood there. An aspect of uh, mindfulness that certainly can uh, hardly, or that can never be overstated, uh, or not never frequently enough mentioned, is certainly that of the continuity of the mindfulness. So ideally, our mindfulness should certainly have an or it should be of an unbroken continuity from moment to moment to moment without any um, lapses whatsoever. Now, that's the ideal, but uh, reality looks quite different. So, when you uh, take the case of a beginning retreat and uh, day one or day two, there will be plenty of uh, gaps in the flow of uh, mindfulness. Now, that's just uh, the way it is with most uh, retreatants and one has to be patient uh, with oneself. If, however, if one is committed to recognizing such a lapse in mindfulness quickly and then to resume the mindfulness, then over time things will improve, the continuity of mindfulness will become better and better. Now, as mentioned already earlier on, when mindfulness is really continuous, the result of this is purity of the mind. Now, one practical application here or implication here is uh, if on occasion you find certain that you know, this or that certain very challenging that mental state has arisen let's say like uh, tremendous certain worries are you know, there or you know, the mind is plagued by you know, skeptical doubt or you know, you know, fear has arisen one way to deal with you know, these you know, difficult mental states is you know, to ensure um, 
perfect continuity of uh, mindfulness. If you manage to mm, do that over a longer period of time, those sudden challenging mental formations will gradually lose their, their momentum and suddenly then disappear. Another aspect in regard to mindfulness that we should certainly keep an eye on is certainly that of certainly the aspect of self um, as opposed to non-self. So it's common among retreatants to want to influence the rising and falling movement of the abdomen and any other you know, predominant object. Let's say in you know, the observation of your rise and fall, if the rise and fall is uh, relatively uh, feeble, relatively uh, weak, difficult to uh, observe, well, one might decide, I'll breathe a bit more forcefully in order to make this rising a bit clearer. So that has the sense of self is coming into the picture. Now, that's not really uh, what is intended with regard to mindfulness. But rather, we simply allow the object to be as it naturally is without wanting to control it, without wanting to manipulate it, or without wanting to influence it, influence it in one way or another. So on occasion, in your own practice, please do check carefully whether the mind is trying to make things happen one way or another, or whether you manage to observe an object in a pretty detached manner without trying to control or manipulate. Now, these are some of the qualities that mindfulness ideally should certainly possess, and there's certainly yet others that certainly could be mentioned. Other qualities that have been brought across by you know, the Buddha you know, through a number of illustrations. Venerable Analayo in his certain book, Satipatthana, has picked up on you know, these uh, illustrations, has mentioned quite a number of them, and certainly, you know, what he says is certainly uh, very helpful. Ideally, we want to 
observe predominant objects of observation in a, or with a calm and detached um, attitude. And the illustration given in the Majima Nikaya is such that of at the time of the Buddha, during the last month of the hot season, when all the crops have been brought inside the villages, a cow herd would guard his or her cows while staying at the root of a tree or in the open, since all the cowherd needs to do is certain to be mindful that the cows are there. And likewise, or in, in that certain sense, you know, the Buddha then continued to say, so too there was need for me only to be mindful that those states were there. The next time when you come across certain some, let's say, mental state that is, or some object that then triggers a strong emotional reaction, then please uh, try to apply this calm and certain detached observation. And you will find that this may make a huge difference. So there's no need to get all carried away by one's emotions. It's much better to step back and then let the mind calm down and suddenly observe in a detached manner. Mindfulness, according to a certain texts, assumes a monitoring and steering quality in relation to the controlling faculties as well as in relation to the enlightenment certain factors. And there, it, with the five controlling faculties, consisting of the controlling faculty of faith, or sad indriya, then the controlling faculty of energy, viri indriya, then the controlling faculty of mindfulness itself, sad indriya, and certainly the controlling faculty of concentration, samad indriya, and certainly finally, panya indriya, so the controlling faculty of wisdom. And uh, faith and wisdom form one pair. Effort and uh, concentration, the second pair. 
each of those certain two pairs need to be well balanced and it is mindfulness that certainly um, monitors you know, whether those two pairs are in balance or not and so you know, then uh, adjusts as certainly is needed. Now, other qualities of fatnet mindfulness um, have been mentioned. Um, one, for instance, um, mindfulness is like a surgeon's probe whose function is certain to provide information about the wound for subsequent treatment. Likewise, mindfulness can be used to carefully gather information about certainly the object of observation that one is currently observing. On occasion, retreatants uh, before coming on uh, retreat have uh, read volumes of uh, books on uh, mindfulness, uh, meditation, have filled their minds with uh, plenty of uh, concepts. When then the uh, retreat starts, and certainly they find themselves certain practicing mindfulness, then some of those concepts certainly might be remembered, and certainly then it's, well, um, it easily happens you know, that such uh, concepts certainly get applied to one's practice. And this is not really what mindfulness is all about. But rather, it's uh, we observe objects as they are happening without uh, taking any recourse uh, to uh, concepts. On occasion, retreatants are very much concerned with their development in the meditation practice, with their progress in meditation. And am I making some good headway or not? And these concerns then take a retreatant away from the actual observation of what's certainly going on. 
the best approach is really one of simply you know, being in the present moment with whatever predominant object then comes up and so to keep the mind busy observing what is happening. And certainly one does that, then quite naturally there will be a lot of development in one's practice. In the course of a longer no, retreat, no, we will find that um, the mental factor of that no, mindfulness itself no, will undergo no, changes. It will no, develop from no, being at first no, rather no, weak to gradually becoming stronger and stronger, sharper and certainly sharper, at first being somewhat discontinuous until later on becoming more and more continuous. And at some point in the practice, the mindfulness tends to be as the Venerable Sadhu Pandita has explained on occasion, the mindfulness may become pretty panoramic, which means focusing one's main attention on one primary on a primary object and certainly then at the periphery being aware of a number of other objects but that is just an appearance of no observing objects at the same time Strictly speaking, from an Abhidhamma point of view, one observes one object after another. Now, there are also points in the practice when the mindfulness becomes extremely sharp, extremely tuned into the present moment, that the mind can pick up the tiniest details of an object. Now, Still, much more could be said about mindfulness, and in particular, what which aspects to observe in one's mindfulness practice, and we'll continue with that during the forthcoming Dhamma talk on Wednesday. Allow me to conclude today's discourse on and knowing how to observe Fatna objects, part certain one, by wishing. May this discourse help you to understand Fatna, some of the main features of mindfulness. May you apply those, or may you develop, shape Fatna, your mindfulness in such a way that it gradually fulfills certain of these qualities and equipped with a really strong and sharpened moment-to-moment mindfulness, may you deeply penetrate whatever predominant object suddenly comes up and suddenly eventually realize suddenly the peace of Nibbana. And this is it for now.
and may it also uh, help you, you know, to you know, keep you know, seeing reality for it, what it is. <sighs> now, mm, what's this here? Um, a retreat in has uh, 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 suggested uh, or is requesting the fellow, some of the fellow retreatants, to please turn off your vibrating and beeping cell phones and alarm clocks in the middle. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.